You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal LA Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. All right. How's everybody doing today? Can you guys hear? Well, thank you so much for joining this class today, and I really enjoy working with Emma, and it's going to be amazing. I think uh, God have you guys here for an amazing purpose, and I think you guys are going to definitely benefit a lot from the Bible, and that's the most amazing thing, what, we're, what you guys are going to get from the Bible and how God has used us on multiple times. And so we like to start with a quick prayer, and then we'll introduce ourselves. Um, dear God, uh, thank you so much for each person here, Father. Thank you that you chose Emma and myself to teach this class. It's just humbling, God. And I just pray that you use us as a tool, Father, as you have used every person in the Bible, every person in, in this earth, Father. It's not us who do the work, but it's you through us, Father. And I pray, Father, that you open the minds and the hearts of the people here, that they could take something from tonight. And being able to benefit and we hear the great news of those great promotions and those great races award, God. The great impact that they're able to do, Father. I pray and I thank you in advance for all these great things. In your name, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. So for those that don't know me, my name is Jonathan Galvan. I've been part of this church for seven years. And in all this journey, I experience being fired, being hired being promoted, being demoted, <laughs> being homeless. So it's a, a lot of experiences that I have gone through. And I, that's my heart that I want to share today. And I want to also share how God has delivered me and never left me alone. And I could share where I, where I am now. And I really love what I do today. But I am not always been there. And that's what I want to share. And anyone want to introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you. Thanks, Jonathan. Hi, everyone. It's such a pleasure and an honor to be here. Um, I've been a disciple for five years. The entire time with Coastal, specifically Westside. And um, I've been in the working world for about 18 years or so. And so don't do the math. Don't do the math. Um, and so I'm really honored to be here with you, to, to talk to you today. So I'll have Jonathan lead and I'll just share additional stuff. Excellent. So if you guys open your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes, please. And if this is your first time visiting us today, you know, the Bible is just a library of books. That's what it is. If you see people in the coffee shop or sitting there, it's just a collection of different books in one bigger book. So that's what we study, the Bible, which is that collection of books. And today we're going to look at the book in the Old Testament called Ecclesiastes. And Daniel, he, the, the book of Daniel was written around 536 before Christ. Let me do this. I don't have to be. So the book of Ecclesiastes was written approximately 400 years before. So most likely Daniel read this book or he got some teachings from this book and we're going to see how he applied those teachings in his life. But we could also learn from that book specifically. And he probably read other books, but this is one that he most likely read. And the verse that we're going to look into is Ecclesiastes chapter 3, 
I believe. Let me look my notes. I ha- I got the scripture up there, but let me look at my notes. Yep, verse um, chapter three, verse nine to fourteen. So if you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. You could just look it over here. Um, let me move out of the way. I don't have a clicker, so I'm going to cheat here. And this is what the book says. What do workers gain from the toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in His time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet, no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken from it. God does this so people will fear Him. So, you know, I know a lot of times that's one of the questions that we ask ourselves. What, what was I created for? I would love to do what I love to do. I hate my job. I wish I could find a job that I love what I do. And it's amazing that the Bible has the answer. The Bible says this is a gift from God. And we'll see a lot of people you'll find and you'll say, you know, I love what I do to do. You know, I, I, I love what I do for work. But that was a gift from God. And a lot of us might hate our job. But you know what? The scripture says that God has made everything beautiful in His time. And there is a purpose for it. So in conclusion, this is what we're going to learn. Bottom line, work is hard. I wish I could put it another way. But that's what the Bible says. That God has put this toil. And if you look at the definition, it says that it's exhausting physical labor. And now it's even mental. You go to school, you're exhausted, you're tired. And thank you for being here tonight. A lot of times you're like, oh, do I really want to go? I'm tired, I'm sitting on traffic. But that's part of how things were designed, for things to be hard. Does anybody have a hard time at work? (laughs) Everybody, right? Now, the coolest thing is that work is awesome. How can we be awesome? God made everything beautiful in His time. And I could tell you from experience, and I'll share more about it. I've been in a job that I hated. I woke up every morning two hours before, just honestly praying to God, God, give me an attitude to be like your follower, because I hate this job, and I can't wait for the customer to say something, or my boss to to say something, because I'm going to snap. So after working through my attitude, working through my attitude, you know, I got to work with a big smile. But, you know, now I love my job. And who was going to know that that job was going to prepare me for my job that I have right now? So I don't know where you are. If you love your job, be grateful and thank God I was. we're going to learn. If you hate your job, just know that there is hope and God is preparing you. Because God says that everything is beautiful and it's time. Now, full satisfaction in your job, it only comes from God. And that's why I'm grateful that God gave me this opportunity for this class and for Emma, because we were talking about this, that seriously, after you've been working, even if you love your job, 
you could start getting a little bit rusty and feeling stuck. But it's only God that could renew you and give you that satisfaction again, as we're going to learn in this process. And there's a purpose for all this, to fear God. I'll tell you one thing, I fear to lose my job. Because <laughs> I know what it was to be previously, and I don't want to lose it. I wake up every day, you know, trying to do my best because I fear losing my job. And I say, God, this is from you. And this is the difference of someone who is a Christian and someone who might be just successful in the world and is not a Christian. We see things as God provides and not as I'm doing this with my own strength. Now, let's go to the book of Daniel. When he applies for the job. So Daniel, in chapter 1, verse 3 to 4, he had applied for a job. He was kind of, most likely, thrown into the job as a slave. So if you guys don't know the story, what happens is, all these people of Israel are taken into captivity, into slavery. And the king says, I want you to bring certain people to work for me. Now this, this was the job posting that they put up there. There must be from a royal family, nobility, they got to be young, without physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning. I don't think I qualify. <laughs> Only a few of you guys qualify here. I see some good looking guys in the back, some beautiful woman. But honestly, I don't think I qualify for this job. And you guys, are, this is important that you see that they did qualify for this, but then the humility that they have towards the outcome that is going to happen. So this is the job, and Daniel gets the job. But like everybody knows, getting a job is just the beginning of the journey. And for the next adventure of the journey, I got Emma. Thank you, thank you. So I'm going to put this here. It's much easier for me to do it this way. Um, and so Jonathan has given us a really good background of the job, the qualifications, and part of this job requires training. So there's a three-year training program that goes along with this job. And um, part of it, this program incorporates or includes a meal plan or a meal program. And um, Daniel's convictions were contrary to the meal program that was being delivered or proposed. And so when you're at a job and there's a training program, most people will go over the status quo. This is what we're to do. This is what is required. We're going to do it. His convictions required otherwise or expected him to do otherwise. So he did something differently. There are three criteria that I wanted to focus on or point when it comes to Daniel. And he does this differently. He makes a request, and there's some specific results that come out of that. So what he did differently is, in Daniel 1, verse 8, I'll read this to you all. And if you can turn there to me, with me. <clears throat> so it says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and asked, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. And so right there, right there, he sets himself apart, okay? He didn't go with the norm. Now, if that were along with his convictions, then that may just be okay. 
But he felt strongly about that, enough for him to actually say something, okay? And then when he made this um, initial bold move or statement that set him apart differently, the response from the chief was, well, basically, I'm paraphrasing, of course, was basically, well, if I do it differently and something doesn't turn out right, it's going to be on me. And so Daniel went further and went to the guard who had been appointed on, on top of them to oversee them and further request, made that request that much clearer. So let's read in Daniel 1, 11 through 14, where he says, Then Daniel said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food. And treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. So there was negotiation, right? He, the convictions led him to elaborate on that request. There was nego negotiation. The consequence, if any, does not need to fall on you, fall on me. And let, give us a trial run. Give us 10 days and see if it reaps any benefits. If it does, then great. And if it doesn't, do with it. Let the consequence come on me. So that was the request that he made and there were some significant results. So he had immediate or short-term results, and he had long-term impact as well. And so in Daniel 1, 15 through 16, we see the immediate impact. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food, and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. Immediate impact, 10 days, okay? Long term, if we go into 17 through 19, to these four young men, now it was Daniel and three other men, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. So it wasn't just the physical, how they looked or how they felt, but there was knowledge incorporated as well. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into service, that's the three-year period, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, such a mouthful. The king talked with them and found no one equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. Long-term impact, significant results. So I thought, when I looked at this, I've never made that correlation before with the book of Daniel, but I was wowed. I thought, oh my gosh, you know, this man is very, he's bold, he's assertive, not aggressive. He is humble in his approach, persistent, very convicted. He, his convictions are strong, faithful, and he believes in that. And so he moved, that moved him into action. So I thought, how will we set ourselves apart? His attitude is exemplary, and it's very admirable when I was looking at that because he made bold, a bold move and bold statements, but I didn't see any kind of pride or arrogance. When I read that, I was just seeing this calm approach, humble approach, yet, yet effective. So 
I thought, wow, let's look at Daniel's attitude, or better yet, let's just review what an attitude is. So, by definition, attitudebydictionary.com, manner, disposition, feeling, position, etc., with regard to a person or thing, tendency or orientation, especially of the mind. So what are some of Daniel's attitude? What are some characteristics that you would use to describe him based on what um, Jonathan has said and based on what I've described so far? What are some characteristics or adjectives that you would use to describe him? Anything? Discipline. Very good. Anything else? Integrity. Nice. Strong. Did I hear something? Humility, excellent. So let's take a look at a list. Undoubtedly not a comprehensive list, but a list of examples of some of his characteristics. Constantly praise to God. None of the things he did, if you read the book of Bible, he's always praying to God, always seeking advice, and thanks and gives honor to God. So our skills, our talents, all the things that we have, we give honor and thanks to God because he's the one who gives these to us. He's faithful, he's humble, confident, fearless, persistent, okay? These are all exemplary. I was looking at this, I'm I'm thinking confident, fearless, persistent, but you see humility in there as well. So he balances it out very nicely, and I found it very, um, I was very impressed by that. So as disciples, it's, these skills or these characteristics are really exemplary and they're really good um, to imitate. And so imitating Daniel's um, attitude is a good thing for us to do and it's a great thing to do, especially in the workplace. So our attitude in the workplace is huge. It's what really sets us apart from non-disciples. That is by far the biggest thing ever. To me, it's bigger than your credentials, it's bigger than your experience, it's bigger than how many, what school you went to, that is what sets you apart. And it's something that people cannot learn. You can't just read a book and say, how did they, actually you can. (laughs) It's called the Bible. (laughs) But, um, But that's, you're the living example of what the Bible has sent us to be. And so our attitude is huge. I know we came with a lot of talk about raises and promotions, and we'll get to that. But one of the ways to actually start working or inching your way towards that it's with the right attitude and, like, and an attitude that sets you apart from others at the workplace. So as I mentioned, your attitude is important, particularly in the workplace, and um, it sets us apart from non-disciples. You certainly, you know, don't want to be the gossip. You don't want to be gossiping. The way you respond to challenges in the workplace or changes would probably ideally be different from how a non-disciple will handle it with prayer, with um, talking to people, accountability, all those things set us apart from, the not, from non-disciples. So attitude being the one, when it comes to promotions and raises, what else can one do to set yourself apart from others at the workplace? So one, pray. Two, our attitude. What else can we do? Um, Will coming to work on time be a good thing to do? Mm -hmm. Regularly working, coming to work on time? Very good. How about 
How about doing the job that you've been assigned to do and doing it effectively? So both of those are great. Not necessarily um, something that will lead to a promotion, but it will certainly allow you to get or meet the expectations of your job. So your performance evaluations will look really stellar. So they're meeting the expectations. However, if you want to um, go for a promotion or a raise, the recommendation would probably be to exceed expectations. And so by um, doing more than is required, going above and beyond, that's a recommended way to try to exceed expectations. And so when those performance evaluations are being written, you know, you, and then maybe there are five areas that you're being evaluated on, you may not get exceeding expectations on all five. In fact, that's rare <laughs> because managers have to explain why they're evaluating you in all those areas in such high standards. But at least having a couple of exceeding expectations, that's a good place, a good foundation, and a good place to be when you're thinking, I want to grow, I want to promote in this organization or maybe elsewhere, okay? So that's the job itself and your role and your duties. Now, there are other things that you can do Here are some resources that I got online after a little bit of research. And um, it says one of the things on here is building relationships. And so if you have a good relationship with your boss, that's fantastic. But that's not the only relationship, okay? Um, if you have a not so good relationship with your boss, this is going to be that much more important, okay? That's going to be coming to play that much more. So building relationships with your coworkers, building, building relationships with partners, um, clients, other people in other departments, that helps significantly as well. Here, the second bullet says demonstrate your value to the company. Now, that could be interpreted different ways. Okay, so if you know the company's mission, you know the company's values, you know what the goals are for your department, you know, you can set certain, well, based on your roles and duties, your individual goals could be matched or to be worked towards meeting some of, or helping to meet some of those goals. So that's a bigger, let's say, a bigger task per se, but it's something that you can think of as far as making or your value known um, to the company. And you want to make sure that the right people know that you're looking for a promotion, but you want to be tactful about this, okay? We're not going around telling everybody, I want a promotion, get me out of here, so we don't want to do that. But you certainly want to um, target certain people. If you know the recruiters of certain jobs, you want to talk to them about that, right? If you know people in a department where you want to grow into, those are, that's somebody that you can target. But you certainly want to be careful with that bullet and um, approach it or massage it gently because it could backfire if it's not done properly. Um, you want to make sure you're, you're doing that kind of stuff properly. So if you're not even comfortable at all, you can take that bullet out and put it in your little side pocket until maybe you feel a little more comfortable to address something like that. And then the fourth bullet talks about seeking out new skills. Yeah? So what would be new skills? If you want a promotion right now where you are and you're here, so maybe, maybe something tells me maybe you would like to get a promotion at some point or a raise, what are some skills that you would like to seek out? Better sales skills. And how would you go about doing that? Excellent. 
Very good. Meeting one-on-one with the boss. Yes. Very good. Very nice. That's good. Yes. Just asking. Yeah. What kind of skills? Mm-hmm. Okay. Good, good. And once you find what are the skills that are needed, then you could identify where you can gain these skills, okay? So having the knowledge is good, but actually utilizing those skills or trying to acquire those skills would be a great next step. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you definitely have to go. You, that's one way you have to go after it. Um, in some rare or some situations, so people can be tapped for promotions or communicated and said something's out there. I would like you to apply for it. Okay. So that's rare, right? But it can it can happen. Um, and a lot of these skills too can be available online at no cost. And so a simple Google search. You can go online, Yahoo or Google. Type in. YouTube videos are available. Type in whatever keyword or skills that you're looking for. Online trainings are really a great place to start, particularly when cost is involved. Um, if there's some project managers in the audience, you know, the Sigma and all those courses, those are really, really expensive. But you certainly, you can start and do it with a little online search, and that could be a great place to start acquiring new skills. Videos are a good way to go because you just watch and learn. Um, but if you're a reader, you know, there's some books that you can start reading as well. But that's certainly um, a route that you can take. Volunteer for new projects. That is a big one. That's really good. So you're done with, you have a good performance evaluation. You meet expectations. You're exceeding in certain areas. You want to seek a um, volunteer for new projects. This is a way where you can actually demonstrate skills that are not being utilized in your current position. So you can help volunteer in um, other projects to show your leadership skills, to show your computer skills, to show your presentation skills, to show your sales skills. All of those are opportunities to show what you're doing. And one thing that I can stress and I say I would recommend is that if you're volunteering for anything or a job that you have, you want it to be something that you really love or something you really care about and you really feel it's going to make a difference. Because just going for it just to volunteer, it's going to look good. It's not sufficient because it's going gonna, it's gonna to show. After a while, you're going to get exhausted because you're not getting the results that you want. But if you're in it because you really like it, you're enjoying it. Okay, and it's going to have um, a win-win effect. Get a mentor. So how would you get a mentor? Mentors in the organization, somebody who you look up to, somebody you can learn from. Where would you even start with that? That's good. Your boss is good. Great. Ask for a mentor. That's great. You can also identify people. I think somebody said that earlier. If somebody's doing a job that you like, somebody's in a position or a role or in a department, that's a good place to start. You can chat with them, have lunch with them, have one-on-one, or we call these informational sessions with such people, and just learn from them, you know? I like the 
set up a meeting, set up an appointment. A lot of this is going to take people to be a little more bold and a little more maybe outside of your comfort zone if that's not what you do normally. So getting a mentor is a great place to go. Your boss is good, but your boss is already assigned to you. So we want more than just the boss, so outside perspective than just the boss, okay? And last but not least, be bold <laughs> and ask for it. We want people to be comfortable. So if you're a lot, some of these things are mm, not comfortable, it's okay. You can put them away in the pocket for a little bit and focus on the ones that you're comfortable with and start doing those, okay? So being bold, asking for it, that's a good way to go. Nobody will know you're looking for a promotion or a raise if you're not asking for it. Um, they have the annual raises, which may be a certain amount. Um, but when you're asking for a certain amount of raise, you also want to back it up <laughs> with what you've been doing. Um, your hairdo and your dress styles are not sufficient. Um, you know, the actual quality of your work, the impact that it's made, um, has it reduced any kind of um, workload for the entire department? Is it inching us towards our goal as a department, as an organization? Those are some of the things that you want to be taking notes of if you're actually going to be asking for a raise. So you want to back it up and not just go in there and say, well, I deserve a raise. I've been here six years. That's good. That's excellent. I think being at an organization for six years is commendable and you should be proud. But what have you done in those six years? Okay, so you want to write those down and you want to support your request with some additional information. So I have another slide, but before I do, are there additional, any questions on this section, setting yourself apart? Good stuff? I heard it first. Good. Very good. Okay, I'm glad to hear it. So I had a story that I was going to share, and I think we have time, yeah? We have plenty of time. When I was reading um, the, um, Dan the book of Daniel, I thought, you know what? I loved how he set himself apart. And if each of you were to think of your life and your experiences at work, each of you undoubtedly will find a story that you've done where you've set yourself apart. You may not have identified it as such, but if you really sit down and think about it, you have done that. First and foremost, as a disciple, your attitude alone is setting you apart, ideally, hopefully, from others at the workplace, okay? Um, but one thing that happened many years ago, about eight years ago, I had just graduated, I had just gotten out of grad school, and I had some, um, yeah, eight years ago, I had some, um, <laughs> I had some colleagues who were actually teaching at a college level, and I thought, that is cool, I would love to test that out, I would just like to get that experience, and not necessarily on a full-time basis, but a little side gig, and so... I was doing some online um, job searches for that, but nothing came to fruition, and I thought, eh, I'll just leave it alone. But then I thought, how about I look at different colleges, local colleges? So instead of actually applying or looking for job openings, I went on a college website, and I looked for the College of Health and Human Services Department, and I saw all the faculty listed on there, and the department dean, and the directors, and there were about 12 of them. And so I thought, hmm, I don't see a job listing, but I like the jobs, the classes that they teach, and I would love to teach one of those. And so I actually wrote a generic cover letter with who I am, what I've done, what I can do, and what I can do for them, 
and if they're interested, to contact me. And so it was a cover letter, and I attached my resume to that, and I sent it to all 12 of them. I emailed it to them because they had all their contact information on there, and I'm like, okay, whatever. And so two weeks later, I got a call from one of the departments, and they wanted to um, interview me. And so I went in for the interview, and it turned out that one of the instructors had just moved out of, not out of state, but to Northern California and was teaching a course in Southern California, distance learning. And they wanted somebody in-house, in-person, and they picked me by God's grace. And so eight years later, I still have that part-time job. And so I am super grateful, and I give most definitely honor to God because that idea, wherever it came from, came from God. Crystal clear, because this is not something that I just woke up one day, I'm just going to do this. But I'm super grateful, and it just takes that extra step, that um, stepping out of your comfort zone and doing something differently to set yourself apart, making the request, so being clear about what you're doing. So my request was actually, this is who I am. If you're interested, call me. And the result for me was a part-time gig, which I still have until this day. Okay? So that's the information that I want to share, and I'm going to pass it on to, back to Jonathan to wrap this up. All right, so the amazing thing about being a disciple or a Christian is that we see things in a different light. We see a promotion, a raise, more than just money and things like that. We see this as with purpose from God. You know, a good friend of mine really told me this. You know, I'm looking for a new job, for a new promotion, because I want to make a disciple. I want to go in there to make a disciple. And, you know, I, I think about my life and some of the things that Emma was sharing. And I remember I didn't have a job for a year. And I remember telling God at that point, okay, God, there's no way I'm going back to the Long Beach area, to the Latino community where I grew up, unless you want me to use, you want to use me for your mission. But there's no way I'm going there. Well, I lost my license my legal status really expired. I didn't have a place to live. The only place left, it was where I grew up, back with my parents. And I still remember looking at this small insurance agency back in those days. And I went and I applied for a job there. Just to make the story short, I got the job. But it was so difficult. I felt like a lot of times like Daniel, and as we are going to continue reading right now, it was a challenge after another challenge. It was hard. And I remember asking God, God, why do you have me here? I mean, you gave me a promotion because I didn't have a job. Now I have a full-time job. <laughs> so thank you, God. Thank you so much. Little that I was going to know that two years later, my bosses became disciples. So I don't know where you are, how difficult it is, or where you're going to go and knock doors. That's the beautiful thing as a Christian, as a disciple, that as you go for a race, as you go for a promotion, there's something much more up there that help us to have the attitude to give us a race, to give us a promotion, that we're not just there to make money. We're there to make an impact. And that's why this is refreshing to my heart. I don't know about yours. Because sometimes I was waking up and thinking, oh, i got to be in the traffic for an hour. 
But I wasn't thinking like, you know, there's a purpose. There's a reason why I'm there. God, show me what you want me to do today. And in chapter, so that's finding the job and setting yourself apart. It's only possible with God. And I love Daniel because, as you guys noticed, he was born as a king in, in the noble family. He was good looking. I mean, I was not born as a good looking guy. or I was not born in a noble family. But this guy had those two things and he was smart too. And we're going to read right now how humble he is. Where he doesn't take any of this credit. Even as, you know, Emma share, he credited all to God. Or the Bible credits that God gave him the knowledge and the wisdom. So in the same way, even you, if you got awesome skills, you're the best, you're the manager. You know what? God gave you those skills. God created you. Even God has put the right people in your life. Like he put this guy in the life of Daniel to teach him the literature and the things of the time. So that's the beautiful thing of being a disciple. There's purpose to a race, to a promotion, even to set yourself apart. Now, God makes sure that our lives never gets boring. Because everything we talk about here, it was just one challenge. Even as the brother over there read the scripture in chapter 5, that was another challenge Daniel went through. And he succeeded where the king you know, give him the big thing and he was like dressed in purple and everything. But in chapter 2, if you guys go there, as we close up here, give you guys some inspiration and some hope to go back to work and do amazing things there. And your boss could ask you, how do you got so much energy and passion and your attitude is different. You were angry and lazy yesterday. Now you're happy and joyful and you're ready to rock and roll and you believe again. You can invite them to midweek. So are we there in chapter 2? So the story begins with the king Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And he's asking, you know, the wise people, the people that specialize in this kind of things or adivination. And he asks them, hey, tell me what the dream means, but I'm not even going to tell you what the dream was. So look at what they say in verse 10. The astrologers answered the king, There is no one in earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great or mighty, has ever asked such a thing, or any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they don't live among us. Have you ever felt like that at work? Where what they're asking you is like impossible. You're like... Oh my goodness, what you're asking me is impossible. And, and, and what these people even, their attitude, what they're telling the king, not even the mightiest king has ever asked that. You know, they're even putting the boss down. I've done that in my heart. It's like, you really want me to get that done? I see you getting that thing done. <laughs> I'm honest. I don't know if you ever struggle with that. I want you to do this type of sales. I gotta, you know, I want you to get this job done. You're like, I wish you would get it done. You'll be in my place and you'll know. So I think that's the attitude they had. But let's learn from Daniel's attitude. Let's go to verse 14. When Eric, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put, de- put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. 
he asked the king officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Ariok then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went to the king and asked for time, so that he might be, he might interpret the dream for him. And it's just, as we learn with Amok, asking for time. He's asking. You know, he was tactful and he was wise. And I think those are the things that we could learn as disciples. That we could go up there in faith. We could go up there with wisdom. And trust in God. And let's see what uh, Daniel does here. Verse 17. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends. I can't pronounce their names, so I'm going to skip them. Verse 18. He, argued, he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. So that he and his friends, his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of the heaven. How amazing is this? That when we go through difficult times, through difficult requests of work, we could go and pray to God. That's what we have. And, but the amazing thing that Daniel didn't just pray alone. What did he do? He asked his friends to pray with them. And that's what we have. We have one another. You know, when your boss gives you the impossible mission, you could do one thing. Carry the toil by your own which the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that is really hard, or partner with your brothers, with your sisters, to pray and ask God to give you the wisdom, the strength that you were going to need to carry on with that. And it's so necessary because at the end of the days, what Daniel does, he praises God. And that's what our life is about. I learned that the difference between humility and pride is praise. If you do it with your own strength, you're going to take credit for the whole thing. But if you ask God and God delivers you, you're going to praise Him. And you'll be teaching this class to me and to many more. Because it's God who does the work, not us. And just close with that, you're going to keep getting a new challenge. If you don't have a job, everything that Emma even mentioned requires faith. To go up there and find a mentor, to go up there and ask for something, it's going to require faith. The amazing thing, you don't have to do it in your own strength. You could ask people to pray with you, to pray for you, and you pray to God. And to God, be the praise. What if, what if they do all this stuff? They follow all the steps then? The raise or promotion just doesn't happen. What do you recommend? What do you think they should? Should they be mad in jail? <laughs> should you be mad in jail if you don't get the raise or promotion? Why? Because everything's beautiful in this time. And that's the difference when we believe in God. We know that it's proper time He's going to deliver to you. Great question. All right, let's pray and we can open for discussion. Um, dear God, I, I really want to thank you for your scriptures, God. I really want to thank you for being present in the life of each of us, God. Whether we make $100,000 or we're just looking for a job today, Father. All the praise be to you, God. 
I pray that as we go in this journey, God, we get to experience your presence and how you bless us so we could bless others, God. Please open our minds, open our hearts, our wisdom, and that's what we ask for, that you bless us, Father. We love you, and thank you for everybody here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Yeah, so we'll open it up for questions. And if I don't know the answer, I'll ask God for wisdom. Amen. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. Any questions? Yeah. Good question. How do you know if you if the right person is the one you're talking to or not? I think... Anybody want to take a shot at this one? Yeah. Okay, I'll repeat the question. How do you know who's the right person to ask for a promotion? I think that the people that we follow uh, and we associate with, we ultimately become. And so looking at that person, do they put God first? Are there things that they do and live uh, and lead their life pleasing to God? That's first. Thank you. And Fabian. <laughs> and, you know, one of the things that we can learn even from the book of Daniel, chapter 1, those are great answers. And, you know, the, what the Bible says is, uh, okay, this guy, the, the chief of officer, he was there, but then God gave him favor. So maybe you could start praying, God, show me. Who can I talk to? Show me favor, because God does show you favor with the people that are in charge of you. I don't even know how to explain it, but when God does, it's amazing. They start to see potential in you. They, they start to see the things that you can do. So I will, I will do that as well, and, and we could talk more about it, you know. But the Bible says that um, God gave them that from the officer in the Bible. So it's a great question. May I ask that? Yeah. Um, I think also sometimes there may be job postings, and um, you can ask or inquire about that particular job and say, I would really like to apply for it, and ask for a recommendation from maybe key people like your boss or if you built a mentor, that would be a good person to also include on there as a recommendation. So I think if there's an opening, don't sh if you're interested, you should. I would recommend if you're interested to ask. So that's that's a really nice thing to be asked too. But that whole area of asking is a little fuzzy, and you should be definitely a little careful because um, you don't want to go around asking every time you Thank you. Thank you. And uh, <coughs> any more questions? Yes. Yeah. And I could tell you what happened to me. 
When I graduated from college, I didn't have a job, so I ended up working in a warehouse. Seriously, that was the last place with my college degree that I want to be. I did not expect it, but God had a journey for me. So when I was there, I only did one thing. I said, you know what? I'm going to work, and I'm going to move boxes like nobody else, you know? And there's always opportunities that open up. I remember one time they needed a, a driver. And I say, okay, I'll be the driver. And and I got, okay, I got the one week as a driver. Later on, because of, I took the job, you know, my boss is like, okay, you know, this guy has an attitude. He's willing and open to do anything. He's like, okay, one of my cousins from Mexico is coming, but he's working for the governor of Mexico. So I went from carrying boxes to wearing a tie, you know, and, and a tux for the rest of the for the rest of my vacations. When when I was carrying boxes and later on I was there with, you know, senators and even with Arnold Schwarzenegger and and all this crazy stuff. And I think that's why I felt convicted because I used to have that type of faith. I used to believe that I could be carrying boxes one day and God could take me to the next level. But I think as I grew older I kinda lost that. And so just believe, have a great attitude, and ask advice. Cool. Yes. So I wish everybody a lot of success and a lot of praise to God. <laughs> Thank you. You've just listened to the Elevate podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.